Hello and welcome to the Community Power Podcast, a new weekly series brought to you by the Local Trust and the Community Wealth Fund, campaigning to ensure the next wave of dormant assets is committed to supporting our communities. My name is Chris Allen and in this series I'm going to be teasing out some of the best examples of what's happening in communities through the experiences of those living and working on the front line. I'll be focusing in particular on what happens when you give local people the money, the power and the assets to make a difference in their neighbourhoods. With me is series producer Beth Lazenby. Uh, Beth, who have we got on this week? Hi Chris, so first up we've got Matt Leach, the CEO of Local Trust, who I also work for. Um, We're a place-based funder and we deliver the Big Local programme, which we're obviously going to be delving into a lot as part of this series. It's all about putting money into the hands of residents who can make real lasting change in their communities. So before we start on our virtual tour to meet some of those residents, Matt's going to tell us a little bit more about why resident-led funding really matters, where we are on our journey with the Community Wealth Fund campaign, and also the kinds of stories that he's hoping we'll uncover as part of this series. Thanks, Beth. Indeed, yes, it is Matt Leach from the Local Trust. And the first thing I asked him was why he had commissioned this series in the first place. Well, Chris, as, as you know, over the last two to three years, we've been running just an incredibly exciting campaign, the Community Wealth Fund campaign, which is focused on convincing government of the case for putting real money, dormant assets money, aside to support building community capacity, particularly in, in left-behind areas. And we saw this podcast as a a fantastic opportunity to put on the record some of the amazing stuff that's already happening in communities and to provide some great and some inspiring examples of, of the sort of achievements that uh, that can be had when ordinary people are given the time, the money, the trust to, to make a difference themselves. So Matt, you have the privilege of traveling around the country on a regular basis, really meeting fantastic people. I have the privilege in this podcast series to dig a little bit deeper than you're able to do on your visits. Well, you know, Chris, I, I spend a lot of time going around the country. Almost every week I, I'll go on a trip to see brilliant local people make, making a difference in their communities. But often I'll, I'll go and see a, a you know, project, maybe Barry up in, um, in Northumbria, uh, rebuilding a castle at the bottom of his garden, the big venture centre in, in Wolverhampton, the fantastic um, kids up in Ewanrig who've been working with the community to make a difference, particularly focusing on issues of, 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 of mental health. And, and you go there and you see this brilliant stuff, you're amazed by it, but what you really want to do is to get deeper into the stories behind them. In terms of subject matter, I think anybody who's interested in the power and potential of communities ought to have a listen, because there's some amazing stories. Some, some of them people may well know already, some will be quite surprising. But I think also people who are grappling with some of those bigger problems. How do we turn around left behind areas? What does regeneration mean in, 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 the, in the 2020s? And how are communities perhaps starting to, to find their way again after the challenges of the pandemic? Big Local Programme has been running for just over 10 years. Over that journey, what has been the kind of changes that you have seen happening in communities? Because I remember that the early days, people almost didn't believe that this could possibly happen to them. A real big local change maker, a guy called Stephen Perez. One of his sayings um, about big local is it's it's all about the money and it's not about the money at all. And I think when you look at how big local worked as a program, in fact, in the first 10 years of the program, most areas spent almost no money at all because what they were doing was building up trust with one another, coming up with shared plans, starting to do small things, putting out small community grant pots or maybe improving local kids' 
playgrounds. They weren't doing anything big. They weren't spending lots of money. Did it help to have the, the money on the table? Is that why? I, 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 think, I think the money brought people around the table. Giving people a million pounds certainly was enough to create headlines. But, but actually, communities are, you know, if you trust, if you give them trust, if you're willing to, to let them make decisions for themselves, they have to make very sensible decisions. It's not about spending all the money in one go or wasting. A lot of them have been very cautious, careful, making sure that they've taken time to, to build up their plans, to gain the experience they need. And what we're seeing at the moment across the country is an incredible number of, of communities taking on assets in, on the Isle of Sheppey, buying an old police station to turn it into a community hub. I was, I was down in Woolaverton and Puritan, which is just, just down the road from Glastonbury, a community for making sure that they've taken time to to build up their plans, to gain the experience they need. What I'm seeing at the moment across the country is an incredible number of, of communities taking on assets in, on the Isle of Sheppey, buying an old police station to turn it into a community hub. I was, I was down in Woolaverton and Puritan, which is just, just down the road from Glastonbury, a community which on the face of it is quite a nice rural village, but there's pockets of poverty and there. They're looking at how they can change, turn around the playing fields, uh, regenerate the local, uh, the local sports pavilion. Ramsey in um, in Huntingdonshire, another area you wouldn't exp- you wouldn't on the face of it see as especially deprived, but for people living on the the social housing estate in Ramsey, I mean social housing estate, there was a lack of places for kids to meet, and there they've been building a new community facility. But these things don't happen immediately, do they? But to get that started, you need to know the money's there. And I think the beauty of the big local program, and I, I'd hope, you know, when the community wealth fund. Uh, program is is designed as well. I'd hope one of its founding principles will be trusting people, letting them know the money's there, that they don't have to come up with their plans and then apply to see if they can get funding on the whim of a bureaucrat somewhere or, you know, a trust or a foundation. We're talking here about sharing power, sharing responsibility. We think about the levelling up agenda of the government. There's a sharing power that's almost within there. Chris, I think there's, a, there's an awful lot in the levelling up white paper, isn't there, which, which is about shifting power between national government and and, and and local government. And that's clearly important. We're an over-centralised nation. We need to distribute power. There's probably less about the need to transfer power from, from town halls down, down to communities. It's, you know, it's about knowing that the people who are trying to make a difference by running the food bank down the road are people who might have lived just down the road for a while. You, you know them. You can relate to them. The, the difference in power between you and them isn't that great? And the trust comes from familiarity and it, and it comes from presence. And I think all of that binds together in that idea of social capital and the importance of social institutions to, to healthy communities. You know, you can see it in the research during the COVID crisis, when often communities came together to look after themselves, particularly in the early stages of the pandemic, we can see that in, in communities that, that lacked existing charities that lacked social fabric, there was about 70% less mutual aid activity. Because the truth is mutual aid activity didn't come out of nothing during the pandemic. It was people who were already involved reorganising themselves to make a difference. Yeah, and I'm also interesting, obviously, because the last two years has been dominated by the pandemic, that that community infrastructure will have a lot to offer moving forward outside of the emergency um, that we've been through over the last couple of years. I think that's right. And I think people recognise that. And hopefully in, in, a, in a lot of communities, in a lot of local authority areas, the new relationships that were built up through COVID are going to be paying off. But also the other aspect of this would seem to be that there's a lot of cross-party support for this kind of initiative and that the programme 
um, and community-based programs are being recognised. I just thinking from your interaction with politicians of different backgrounds and perspectives, is that is that a true reflection? I th- I think what's been amazing over the last two to three years has been to see the number of politicians, of, of MPs, of, of ministers who've, who've increasingly shown interest in what it is that communities can achieve when they're when they're in a chance. And we've seen it uh, day in, day out in the all-party parliamentary group on Left Behind Neighbours, where there's now was 90 parliamentarians. It's one of the biggest all-party groups in, in Parliament at the moment who are meeting regularly. And they're meeting regularly to talk about issues that are important to communities, but critically they're doing it with communities present. So we've got a whole group of people from neighbourhoods across the country who join the all-party parliamentary group on Left Behind Neighbourhoods calls. You know, we, we've tried to ensure that Every time the APPG has a meeting, there'll be real people from real communities giving, you know, a grassroots on the ground perspective on some of the, the big national issues that, that are being dealt with. So I think there's a real recognition of the value of community there. And when you look at the, the Community Wealth Fund campaign, it's a campaign which initially was greeted with a bit of scepticism, but increasingly, I think, was was welcomed. And if you read the parliamentary debates on dormant asset legislation, um, you can see that ministers, front benchers from from other parties, both in the Commons and the Lords, all recognise that there's an in, there's an incredibly strong case and an upwelling of of popular support for the idea that you should trust local people and trust local people to to change their communities for the better. That's Matt Leach, who is the Chief Executive of the Local Trust. And I look forward to you joining me next time on the Community Power podcast, which is brought to you by the Local Trust and the Community Wealth Fund.